0: Good morning, lovely to see you all. Um, We're gonna be looking at Ephesians. If you don't have a Bible, it'd be really helpful to have one uh, with you. Open one up in Ephesians. We have some. Look at my two willing helpers. Uh, Raise a hand if you'd like one of those. Um, And in the red Bibles coming round, you wanna turn to page 1173. 1173. And if you've got your own Bible or phone or whatever, Ephesians uh, chapter one is where we are.
1: There's There's a high demand for Bibles this morning. We'll wait for everyone to get one. Keep a hand raised and it'll come to you.
0: Great, thank you very much. Ephesians uh, one, we're just gonna read the first two verses um, and then I'll explain some things. Ephesians one verse one, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, well it's new year and uh, at new year of course lots of people make new year's resolutions anybody made a new year's resolution anybody yeah well, there's one, one little tentative and We are we not a new year's resolution group paul paul what's your new year's resolution clear the loft there you go i actually i'd actually thought about clearing the loft kind of over the christmas break and I just i went up once i looked in and just went oh my goodness <laughs> I just came down again. (laughs) It was great. Rachel, come to church more. What a great new year's resolution. Any any other new year's resolutions? Anybody got any? No? It's obviously the time of, you know, it's the classic thing to do. Um, you know, the classic ones obviously involve like exercise or something. Going to go to the gym more. Maybe how we spend our time. I'm going to work less. Maybe take up a new project. I'm I'm going to learn a language, learn an instrument, something. And of course, it can be a good moment to decide to do something new. It's interesting, for some people, New Year's resolutions are more significant than that. They're like an attempt to turn over a new leaf, to kind of restart life, almost recreate life. It reminds me of an old boss I had when I worked at the hospital. He came in one day uh, wearing a new suit, uh, new haircut, new glasses. It kind of, you know, whole new sort of image and I, I commented on his new appearance and he said, he stood there and he went, it's a whole new me.
1: Of course it wasn't actually,
0: it was the old him in new packaging as it were. He hadn't actually changed very much. And and many of our attempts to change things, and particularly probably with New Year's resolutions, are quite like that. You might take up some good things, some enjoyable things, but they are kind of external add-ons. They don't change who we really are. The book of Ephesians that we're starting today describes a genuinely new life a whole new me a whole new you a whole new us it describes a new identity that starts internally that changes who we are and then it flows out into a whole new way of living, a whole new life. So we're starting this series in Ephesians. Today, I'm just going to introduce the book and kind of set it up for us, and we'll get into it properly next week. Uh, verse 1 said, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God. An apostle is like an official representative someone sent by someone who speaks on behalf of that person and paul is an apostle of christ jesus he's been sent by jesus to speak for jesus and he has that position by the will of god he didn't he didn't choose the job he didn't apply for the job god picked him and appointed him And so it's a letter from Paul in that capacity as an apostle, someone speaking for Jesus. And you probably know Paul writes quite a number of the letters in the New Testament. Uh, They come following Jesus's life and death and resurrection and ascension. And what the letters do is look back on that and explain it to us this is who jesus was this is what he achieved this is what god did through him this is what it means this is what it means for you so it's a letter from paul to people in ephesus so let's have a quick look at a map to show you where ephesus is check off on the screen there's modern day turkey and ephesus is right on the uh the uh, western coast there uh, near the aegean sea um it was a bustling busy important town in its day it's uh, it's not that today it's a ruin but there are quite significant ruins if we go on to the next picture i've got a picture of some of the ruins today there you go uh, that big building on the left with the pillars that was the library in ephesus that would have been standing in paul's day he would have walked along these streets because he spent time in ephesus he was there for at least a couple of years teaching are uh, uh, shepherding the, 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 the small church there. And now, sometime later, he writes to them. Let me um, sum up the letter for us with a couple of points which revolve around that idea of identity and new life we began with. First of all, Ephesians are gonna help, It's going to help us know who we are in Jesus verse one said to God's holy people in Ephesus the faithful in Christ Jesus you see there are two kind of um locations for God's people in that verse do you see them they live in Ephesus and they live in christ jesus Uh, physically they live in ephesus just like we physically live in cambridge or nearby spiritually they live in christ jesus and that phrase in christ or in him or in jesus that's a key phrase in the whole letter it's used something like 27 times Throughout the letter, in Christ, are we going to see some of this next week? In fact, we saw some of it as we read some verses earlier in the service. Just glance on to verse one, where Paul begins with this pray. uh, Verse three, I mean, to praise be to the God and Father of Jesus Christ, who's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. God's blessed us. Where's He blessed us? He's blessed us in Christ. For he chose us, verse 4, in him, in Christ. And on it goes. All the things that God has given us and done for us come in Christ. And that is the, the location, the description of the people he's writing to. They live in Ephesus and they live in Christ. You see, God has worked through Jesus, through his life and death and resurrection and he's done something there and the key thing now is is that people like us get connected to what he's done we get connected to jesus get connected to his work in jesus and that that's what paul is meaning when he says in christ you're connected to jesus and you're when you're in him what is true of him and what god has done in him becomes true of you Think of uh, of flying. We, We can't fly by ourselves. But a plane, a plane can go down the runway and it takes off and it flies. If you are in the plane, you take off and you fly. What is true of it becomes true of you. So in Christ, what is true of him becomes true of us. We're going to see later on that That Christ is is raised from the dead and lifted up and exalted to the right hand of God. And then we're told that that those who are in him are given new life. They are raised and they are seated at the right hand of God in him. We're told that Jesus is is God's son who, who calls him father. But if we're in him, we're adopted and we become his children and we can call him abba father because we're in jesus and we have the same position as jesus we'll see that if we are in christ we are forgiven we are redeemed we're given new life if we're in jesus we're connected to him and if we're in him it's a whole new me it's a whole new you it's a whole new us How do we get connected to Jesus? Well, that happens by believing in him. And that's in the phrase in verse one, the faithful in Christ Jesus. That is the the, the believers, the ones who have faith. And we'll see more of this in a couple of weeks time. If you glance down to verse 13 of chapter 1, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed, when you had faith, you were marked in him with a seal, and so on. We hear the gospel message, we understand something of who Jesus is and what it is he's done, and we believe in him, we respond in faith, we trust him for the salvation he offers, and when we do that, we are included in Christ, and what is true of him becomes true of us if if, if you're here considering the christian message if you're if you're thinking about Jesus, this is the offer of the gospel for you to to hear about jesus to understand something about jesus and then to respond by believing in jesus and if you do you get connected to jesus and what is true of him becomes true of you christians are those who are in christ we have a new identity in him if you believe in jesus you you are in cambridge and you are in christ And one of Paul's main concerns in this letter is that people realize, know, get hold of what is true of them because they are in Christ. So, for example, he uses a key description here in verse one. He says to God's holy people in Ephesus, the believers who are in Christ. He calls them God's holy people. Now that that the word he uses there used to be translated um saints. And you may have a translation that still uses that word. Now the problem with the word saints is, is that we tend to use it in normal language to describe someone who's who's particularly special, you know, they're a saint. But the fact is, if you're in Christ, you are a saint. Mm. You are a holy person, declared holy, blameless in God's sight. Because Jesus has taken away all of your guilt and wrongdoing. You are part of God's new people that he's gathering for himself. You are, you're, as it were, separated from the world and set apart for God, his special people. God's holy people because they're in Christ, know who you are. Paul goes on in verse two, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus. Grace and peace is a kind of traditional greeting, but it's here, it's it's grace and peace from God who is now our Father and from Jesus who is now our Lord This reflects, again, who we are in Jesus. Who is God to us now? He's our father. And how has God treated us now? He has shown us grace in Jesus. We saw that earlier in chapter 2 as we read it earlier in the service. He's given us peace through Jesus. Paul will go on in chapter 2 to
1: explain that more.
0: Paul's great concern in this letter is that people realize who they are in jesus that they realize what is true of them they know their new identity in him the first three chapters of the letter are basically all about this and you could use that same sort of heading where's our heading gone, emmanuel there we are know who we are in jesus that's true of all of the first three chapters it's it's like they're sitting on a kind of treasure chest And that treasure in that chest is all that is true of them because they're in Jesus. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And what Paul does in the first three chapters is he opens up the chest and he takes out treasure after treasure and says, that's true of you in Jesus. And that's true of you in Jesus. And he's done this for you in Jesus. This is who you are in Jesus. So the first three chapters contain no commands doesn't tell you to do anything Actually, it's not quite true it tells you to do one thing it tells you to remember what you were before you were in jesus but that's just by way of contrast it doesn't tell you to do anything it just tells you to get hold of what is true of you realize who you are know who you are in jesus And our hope as we study Ephesians is that we will then discover afresh the riches of who we are in Jesus. To take the treasures out of the chest and go, look at that. That's true of us because of Jesus. This is what God's achieved for us in Christ. So the opening chapters are very kind of affirming, affirming of our identity in Jesus, point to us to what he's done for us in Jesus, what is now true of us in Jesus. There is though gonna be some degree of challenge in that. It's gonna be very affirming, but there'll be a challenge alongside it. I think this is particularly so for where our culture is at and what we will absorb about the whole area of identity and who we are. Our culture is very keen on on knowing who we are and as it were, being being true to yourself, uh, know your identity, discover it, even create it. Be you, we're told. And only you can decide who you are. Well, in Ephesians, we're going to be told about the most wonderful identity, the most glorious truths, but they're gonna be truths and identity that is given to us, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: not created by us. You can't say, I've made myself this. You say, Jesus has won this for me. You can't say, I'll decide who I am. God declares who you are in Christ. Now, that's wonderful. That's glorious because it's not dependent on us. It's dependent on Jesus. And it's given to us as a gift that we don't have to earn or deserve. And yet it requires us to humbly say, thank you and accept who we are in christ the challenge then is not being willing not kind of standing aside and going i want to decide who i am and what is true of me but to accept it from him secondly secondly we first of all know who we are in jesus secondly We're going to be called in Ephesians to live out who we are in Jesus. As we saw in our reading through, the the second half of the book changes in focus. Just turn over to chapter 4, chapter 4, verse 1. Paul says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Live a life worthy of who you are in Jesus, of what is true of you in Jesus. This is who you are, and so this is the life you should live. You know, in some professions, like the the army or something, uh, people can use the phrase, you could be charged with um, conduct unbecoming. It's like conduct unbecoming to being an officer or something. It's, in other words, it's conduct that doesn't fit with your position, with who you are. If this is who you are, you shouldn't act like that. And this is, this is like the opposite. This is like, well, this is who you are. So this is how you should act. And you shouldn't act like this. This is who you are in Jesus. So there is a new way of life. And so there are things that you don't do now and things that you do do now, it's not, not as a kind of external bolt on like, you know, now, now just try and live this way. It's, 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 it's a living out of what is now true of you. Paul talks about our old self and our new self and says, live out the new you, but we need to be urged to live it out. It won't just happen by itself. So he says, I urge you to live this life. We need to be told what it's like. He's going to spend three chapters describing it to us. I said the first three chapters had no commands. It's all description. This is who you are. The second three chapters are full of commands. Do this. Don't do that. Live this way. And the key thing is see the connection between the two. And wonderfully, uh, our verse that we learned earlier helps us with this. It was chapter 2, verse 10. We are God's masterpiece or handiwork. We've been created in Christ, created anew to do what? To do good works, to live a new life. You've been given new life, you live a new lifestyle. You imagine um, uh, uh, an orphan who is adopted, run with me, imagine an orphan who maybe lived on the street and was begging and stealing and whatever, and now they're adopted in a family, they're part of a family. They'd have to live, learn to live out a new life, break old habits learn new habits live out a whole new set of relationships but it's not simply someone saying to them stop living that way live this way it's someone saying to them this is who you are now this is what's true of you now so this is the life that flows it is living out their new identity so glance on to chapter 4 verse 17 so i tell you this and insist on it in the lord that you must no longer live as the gentiles do that is those who don't believe in jesus in the futility of their thinking they're darkened in their understanding and so on that's what your old life was like that's the old you and you mustn't live that way anymore he goes on to say in the following verses you've taken off that old you you've put on the new you in jesus and so you live differently I'll give you a couple of examples uh, chapter five verse three chapter five verse three but among you there must not be even a hint hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed no no sleeping around Uh, No impurity, no greed. Why not? See how he describes it. Because these are improper for God's holy people. Who are you? Verse 1 of chapter 1, you're God's holy people. That's who you are now. You've been set apart from the world. You've been made holy in Jesus. And so there are things that don't fit now. These are improper, get rid of them. Another example, he says at one point in chapter four, to put off falsehood and to speak truthfully, right? But don't lie, speak the truth to each other. So if you're visiting us and you wonder what's going on, the lights are motion sensitive. And so they occasionally turn off by themselves. If I keep on walking, (laughs) they might come back on speak truthfully don't lie you think what reason might you give someone not to speak not not not, not to lie why what what reasons would you you, know, you want to convince someone not to lie what what might you say come on respond me the truth. Yeah, Tim. It tends to come back on you it tends to have bad consequences so don't lie because of that any other reasons why you don't lie you'd hurt other people because of it still so damage people yeah any other reasons, Tim? They won't trust you. you. There's lots of reasons. And we could say lying's wrong. We could say God is a God of truth, so don't lie. But when Paul says, don't lie, chapter 4, verse 25, he says, speak truthfully to your neighbor. Why? For we are all members of, this, of one body. What? And what he's doing is reflecting who we are in Christ. What's happened to us in Christ is we're not just recreated individually, we're made into a body together. We're united together as his people. And so he says, Don't lie to each other because you're united now. You treat each other differently. He, he, does, he doesn't mean it's okay to lie to someone else outside the church. He's emphasizing how wrong it is. It's like it's like saying to your kids, you know, don't squabble, don't hit each other, you're you know, you're brothers. not saying it's okay to hit someone who isn't your brother but it's it's utterly wrong because of the relationship between you so don't lie to each other because you've been united in jesus so chapter two will have a whole load of stuff about how we're united together in jesus chapter four says so this is how you live together as the church we're given a new identity in christ we live out what is now true of us in jesus and paul is then very strong in saying i urge you live this way i must insist on it that you change the way you live you cannot carry on as you were and at the same time it is something that is now kind of true of you as you're living out being god's holy people being his body, and this is what makes Christian life, living out the Christian life, um, so, so different to other ways, like, like it's, this is utterly different to like moralism or legalism, where you just say, here's a set of rules, live this way. This, this, this isn't that, because you're being called to live out who you actually are. This is like growing up, becoming yourself, more fully and truly. You know, later on, for example, he'll use the image of darkness and light and say, Well, you were in the darkness, but now you're in the light. So now you live in the light. You don't do the deeds of darkness. You're living out who you truly are. But it's also why the Christian life isn't a life of just license and liberty where you can just say, I'll do what I like. I'm forgiven by Jesus. So I'll just carry on living as I wish. No. You can't carry on. You've you've been made light. So you live out life in the light. You're God's new creation, his masterpiece. So you do good works.
1: We have a new identity. There is a new us. And we live it out in a new life together.
0: So my first hope in our studying Ephesians is that we will discover afresh who we are in Christ, what is true of us. Our second hope in studying Ephesians is we'll be directed together as to what our new life looks like and urged together to embrace it and live it out. I said the first half will feel affirming. This is who you are in Christ. But it'll have a challenge as to whether we'll accept it. The second half will feel more challenging. Live like this. Don't do that. But it will actually have a great encouragement to it. This is living out who we are supposed to be. We're told... In chapter four, that our new self is created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. God created us in his image in the first place, in true righteousness and holiness. Actually, what we've done is, is corrupted and distorted who we are. And in Christ, we are being recreated as to what we are supposed to be. You know, our culture will um, sometimes speak about um, being the best version of you. You know, only you can do you, be the best version of you, if you heard that sort of language. Actually, that's exactly what this is. In Christ, we will be the best version of ourselves because it is who we were made to be. We are to know who we are in Jesus and we are to live out who we are in Jesus. We just got a couple of minutes. Let's just take a couple of moments to reflect uh, with your neighbor for a second. Anything particularly strike you from that? Anything particularly encourage you from that? Just a couple of moments to reflect. Uh, And then we're going to sing together at the end. Just talk to your neighbour for a second.